Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Live in your life, would you shout amen tonight? Hallelujah. God is faithful to us so, so many times, and we are so grateful to him for the work that he is doing in our lives. I am grateful tonight. And gratitude, how many know, is powerful. When you are grateful, when you are thankful, then no one can stop you from being happy. When you are grateful have an attitude of gratitude, there is nothing in this world that can stop you from being happy. And uh, I believe tonight that God is going to help us once again. Proverbs tonight, Proverbs chapter uh, 19, and we're going to look at one verse of Scripture tonight, Proverbs chapter 19. was a couple of weeks ago that I preached a message about sanctification and holiness, and uh, taking once again seriously the call to purify our lives. This is a call tonight that every believer, every Christian ought to take extremely seriously. How many know that tonight? And I want to preach kind of a follow-up message to that, and I want to take a, a different angle tonight and believe God to help us in this place. One of the definitions of wisdom tonight, what is wisdom? Wisdom, I believe, is being able to see how things are going to turn out in the end. How things are going to work out in the end of the story. As a Christian, as a believer, I believe one of the things we can develop through time and especially through uh, experience We go through a few things in life. One of the things that we can begin to do is to see down the road how a certain decision is going to affect us. How if I speak these words, it's going to play out in my life, in my heart, in my family. How many heard the the old radio program with uh, Steve Harvey? And uh, halfway through, you know, he tells a story, and then halfway through he says, and now for the rest of the story. Or Paul Harvey. What did I say? Steve Harvey. No, uh, Paul Harvey. He always was talking about the rest of the story. And it was always surprising because in many cases the story he was telling was unpredictable. You never knew how the first half was going to play out in the rest of the story. Well, I want to preach a message to you tonight titled, The Rest of the Story. 
Because often when it comes to the decisions of our lives, when it comes to the temptations that the devil presents to us, we often do not think about the rest of the story. I want to begin tonight by giving you a little Hebrew lesson. Can I do that? I want to teach you a single Hebrew word that is, that is in our scripture tonight. And in order to teach you this word, I have to ask you, first of all, to clear your throat like this. <laughs> Can you all do that? So, <laughs> so that is a letter in the Hebrew language that we do not have in the English language. It's kind of like an H, but it's got a little meat to it. Not a huh. But in the Hebrew, it's a huh. All right? It's got, it's got some got some junk in there. You know what I'm saying? So this letter is in the middle of the word I'm about to teach you. And here's how the word sounds. The word is acharit. Can you all say it? Acharit. Now, if you uh, understood Hebrew, you would immediately link this word to a part of your body. And the part of the body that is described by this word is the back as opposed to the front. It could mean the entire back. But when we read this word in the Scripture, it has a deeper meaning. Can you remember uh, that the, the first day of the year in the Hebrew language is called Yom Kippur? It's called the head of the year. Yom is the word for head. And so they say they use the word head for the beginning or the start or the peak of something. And so in the same way, in the Hebrew language, it's kind of like in English, that if you talk about the back of something, it refers to the end. So you could say, I read the book from the front to the back, right? In the same way, the Hebrew word acharit, it literally means the back of a human being, but it also means, like Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. The image that is given in the Hebrew language is, as you all are looking at me tonight, you are able to see the front side of my body. You're able to see my face and my tie and my shirt and my pants and my shoes. But there is something that is a mystery to you. You do not know if I have sat down on a bench that had wet paint on it. Because that is on the back side. Sometimes there are things in our lives that we can look at and we can get an idea what's happening, but we don't know what's happening on the aharit. We don't know how it's going to turn out. And part of wisdom as a Christian is to figure out how, what will be the aharit of the decisions that we make, the words that we speak, the thoughts that we give to our minds. Think of Esau for a moment. Esau was the oldest brother, and by birth, uh, he had the right of the birthright. He uh, would inherit from his father the blessing of God. But one day he comes in from the field, you remember, and he was so hot and tired and hungry, and it just so happened that Jacob had cooked him his favorite stew. And in that moment, Esau made a decision. He said, what good would my birthright be to me 
if I'm starving to death. And in that moment, what he was doing is he's looking at the front of a decision, but he didn't see the acharit. He didn't see how it was going to all play out. He didn't see all of the consequences that would come as a result of this snap decision in his mind. And as he ate that bowl of beans on that day, it had consequences that played out through his whole life. It had consequences that affected his children and his grandchildren and all that would come from his lineage. In fact, later on, the Bible tells us that Jacob, whom God loved, and Esau, whom God hated. Do you think that Esau thought about that when the bowl of beans was before him? He didn't realize the acharit, the end, or the rest of the story. My hope tonight is that you and I, as believers in Jesus, that we would think about the acharit, that we would think about the rest of the story. Let's read this scripture, Proverbs 19, one scripture, verse 20. And also, if you have uh, your paper Bible with you, you can put a finger in Proverbs chapter 5. We're going to read there together. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 20 says, this is basically the summary of the entire book of Proverbs in one scripture, where it says, listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days, in your acharit. That you may be wise in the rest of your story. That's my prayer for you tonight. Let's pray. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. I pray tonight that you would pour out your wisdom, your grace, and your mercy upon your people tonight. Lord, that we would hear from your scripture, that we would receive instruction. God, that we would be warned about the dangers of sin and unbelief and wickedness and perversion in our lives. I'm praying tonight, God, that you would use this service to sanctify your people and raise us up as a pure and righteous bride before you. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, sermon I've titled, The Rest of the Story. And I want to begin firstly by reminding you about the guilt of sin. You know what it feels like, right? When you uh, fall into various trials and temptations, as the Bible says, that we all do. Do you know that feeling that washes over you the moment that you say something or do something that you know was wrong? The moment that you break through the conviction that God has been putting on your heart and on your mind, and you break through and you say, oh no, why did I do that? Why did I allow myself to do that? Or perhaps it is something that God spoke to you to move, to speak, to, to, to witness to someone, or to give. And God has called us to a certain obedience, but we don't do it. Maybe it's fear, maybe it's unbelief, but we don't enter into that. Am I the only one who has ever disappointed God with my behaviors or my lack thereof? 
But perhaps you're there at the gas station and you're pumping your gas and right across from you, you see them there pumping their gas, some person, and God whispers, hey, why don't you invite them to church? And you say, ah, I don't have enough time. Ah, they don't want to hear it. And God nudges you. Would you speak to them? you got a flyer right there in the, in the door of your car. Just say something. And you avoid that, you run from that, and you get back in your car and you're like, oh man, I could have witnessed that person. I could have said something and who knows, they could have been saved. They could have been changed forever. They could have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Do you know the guilt that I'm talking about tonight? Do you know the feeling of displeasing God? It's not a good feeling, is it? something that we don't want to experience, and yet we do from time to time. Now, I wonder tonight, I wonder, I, I, I almost wish that you could take that feeling and put it in a bottle and sell it at church. Here's a bottle of what it feels like when you sin. Because if you could keep that in a bottle... And you could have a taste of it in the moment that you were considering whether or not to obey God. It would really help you to be more obedient to the Lord, wouldn't it? If you could have a bottle of acharit, remember tonight what it feels like. Because here's the truth. The devil wants to hide the rest of the story. He will do all that he can to conceal the acharit. He will do all that is in His power to make you forget, to entice and to tempt and to give you the promise that it's going to be so wonderful if you disobey God, that you forget about the rest of the story. Or maybe not that you forget, but you think somehow that you'll be able to make it through without feeling that little twinge of guilt and shame. I read a terrible story from back in the 80s. It was a wealthy Long Island businessman. He had been uh, under investigation by the IRS. He was uh, involved in some nefarious activities. And he had been kidnapped by some loan sharks that he owed money to. And according to the gruesome story, there was an attractive young lady who passed him on the street and offered him to sleep with her. She made arrangements with him to meet at a specific location on the next day. But when he met her and went inside the house, he was ambushed by other people that he owed money He was bound and gagged and brought to an abandoned apartment building. He was held captive in a room that had been specially prepared for this moment. Boards over the windows to muffle the noise of his cries. And in this newspaper story, described it is vivid in our mind, they began to torture and abuse this man. They used cigarettes to burn the skin on his body from head to toe. They began to do such horrible things to him that his internal organs were severely damaged. They would not let him go. They made him 
to relieve himself in a diaper. And for five days, torturous days, they starved him. They held him for ransom. His wife heard about it, agreed to pay the ransom. But before her money could arrive to these terrible people, they beat him to death. And he died. If only he could have seen how it would have played out. If only he could have known the rest of the story. If only he would have seen and understood and had a glimpse into the future of what his decisions and what his actions would lead to. I've had the sad privilege to sit with people after terrible mistakes have been made. After Humpty Dumpty has fell off the wall. And people who come into my office or call me on the telephone and they say, Pastor, look at all these broken pieces. What can God do? And I try to encourage them, try to tell them the blood of Jesus, God is a redeemer. You have to follow Him, you have to obey Him, but can I tell you, the damage is done. The damage is done. And the only thing to do in that moment is to cry out to God, If only we would think about the Aharit. If only this man could have had a crystal ball to see himself screaming in agony, pleading for mercy. If only he could have avoided this young woman promising physical pleasures, but he couldn't see it. In Proverbs chapter 5, it gives us a similar story of a young man who is led astray to the home of an adulterer. Proverbs 5, verse 7. Can I tell you tonight that the Bible uh, is very, very strong about sexual sin. My job as a preacher is to shout when the Bible shouts and whisper when the Bible whispers. And I want to tell you, when it comes to sexual sin... The Bible is shouting on nearly every page. That's why it is not a topic that we must avoid. It is not a topic we must tiptoe around. We must, as the Bible does, confront in our own lives. Here's the wisdom that King Lemuel receives from his parents. Proverbs 5, verse 7, My son, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path that is far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your best strength to others and your years to one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich another man's house. At the end of your life, same word, aharit, in the end you will groan when your flesh and your body are spent. Oh, how I hated discipline, you will say. My heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or listen to my instructors. I have come to the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. Tonight, here's a young man, and he is receiving, he is 
being warned by a generation that is before him. Don't do this, young man. Don't do this. I wonder tonight, can we still receive warnings from the Holy Spirit? Can we still hear them and take them seriously when they come to us? Or are we like this young man? Are we ignoring or not thinking about the acharit? I heard another terrible, terrible story about a pastor, a church planter, who was so discouraged in his life, and as a result of his discouragement, one night he completely backslid. He ended up getting totally drunk, and in one night he went to a party. People were sleeping with one another all around. And somehow he became so drunk and disoriented that he ended up having sex with another man. (laughs) The next day, reality set in. He was agonized and grieved. He repented for what he had done and began the process of restoration. But the problem was that that one night of disobedience, he had contracted AIDS. And by the time that he found out about it, he had also infected his wife, and the child that was in her. If only he could have seen the aharit. If only he could have seen the results of this action of great disobedience and sin. Now I believe that he cried out for mercy and God gave it to him. Do you believe that? God is a merciful and a holy God that He forgives sin. But can I tell you, the consequences are still there. That man still went to the grave and sent his wife and child. The Aharit. If only he could have seen himself wasting and withering away with that terrible disease of AIDS. Maybe he said to himself those same terrible words from Proverbs, how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or listen to my instructors. I have come to the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the assembly. One sin, one night of disobedience led to destruction. Tonight, I hope that There's nobody in here who would do that. But can I tell you, every single one of us, we are not far away. We are not far away. Every person here, to him who thinks he stands, take heed, lest he fall. We just uh, did a a podcast, an interview with uh, with the original pastor uh, of this congregation, Carl Milliman, he was here, you know, a couple months back. And we interviewed him about his testimony. It's an incredible story. I would encourage you to go and listen to it. We put the first part out on, on Monday. And, uh, and this man started incredibly in the kingdom. He was saved, 1981, was discipled in the Chandler Church, sent out as a pioneer. He pioneered this church and started it nearly 30 years ago. Situations, problems, went back into the Chandler Church, 
And beloved, I want to tell you, it's not much different from what we heard in that story. He, uh, you know, by his own testimony, he says that he messed up his marriage. He messed up his relationship with his children. And before he knew it, he was out on Mill Avenue in Tempe, Arizona, partying, acting stupid, got into a fight. And in his mind, he was thinking, somebody's going to pull a gun and shoot me right in the face. And I'm going to go straight to hell. And it could have happened. Thank God he had mercy on him. He was able to turn his life around. What an incredible story. But I say that tonight because I want to remind you that you're not far away from that. That's why it is so, so, so critical that we always in our mind think about the akharit, about the end, about the flip side about the end of this story. How is this going to play out if I keep doing this? One of the great plagues of our generation is pornography. And young men are drawn into this problem, drawn into this lifestyle, thinking, oh, it's not going to hurt anybody. Ah, it, it's, uh, nobody will know. But I want to tell you, how does it play out? How does it play out? What is the end of the story? Can I tell you, it never gets better. It only gets worse. Or perhaps jealousy, bitterness, anger, rage, I want to tell you, neglect, it plays out. It plays out in life. One of the wonderful things about uh, remaining saved and staying in the right place with God over time is you get to see how things play out in life. You get to see how one decision leads to another decision. Pastor Campbell, he testifies all the time. I hear him from the pulpit and he says, I've been the, I've been the pastor of the Chandler Church since the late 80s. And I've pastored people, I've pastored their children, I've pastored their children's children. And he describes how some people will come into his office and they've just got married and it's like an echo is ringing in his mind. Wasn't I just counseling your parents 20 years ago for exactly the same problem? Because our decisions have consequences. Every word that we speak and every action that we take, beloved, is like a seed that we plant in the ground. And we may not see the fruit of it immediately. But those seeds, they germinate, they grow, and the fruit begins to bear out. That is for good, and that is for evil tonight. I want to encourage you tonight to think about the Aharit. Luke 17, verses 1 and 2. Things that cause people to sin are bound to come. But woe to that person through whom they come. It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. Think about that. Jesus said it's better for a stone to be thrown around your neck and you cast into the sea than to cause a little one to stumble. 
Can I tell you that's the reason why I do not drink alcohol? I'm sure tonight. I'm sure I could drink a bottle of beer and still go to heaven. But it's going to play out. It's going to lead to another decision and another decision. And it's going to make an example for someone else in my life. And someone else who's following in me and trusting in me and watching my life, and they're going to make a decision, and that decision is going to lead to another decision. That's why I don't drink alcohol. Because I don't want to cause a little one to stumble. That's why every believer here that you should have high standards for yourself in the kingdom. Because no matter who you are, somebody is watching you. You've told somebody about your faith that Jesus Christ is your Savior and your Lord and that you go to church and now they're watching you. This is what a Christian looks like. And how many people are out there today angry at God, angry at church because somebody, somebody caused them to stumble. Paul said, if eating meat causes my brother to stumble then I'd rather never eat meat again because of the aharit. How does it play out? Let me ask you today. If your life remains as it is right now, if your weaknesses do not become stronger, how does it play out? What's the aharit? You know, so... Interesting to me that, you know, um, alcohol, commercial beer and alcohol, you know, if you ever see uh, an advertisement on the television, what do you see? You see, you know, young ladies uh, and young guys and having a good time and partying and and everybody's happy and it's a party and you never see somebody who's been strung out for being an addict their whole life. You don't see that on the commercial. You don't see psoriasis of the liver on the commercial. What do you, what do you call it? Cirrhosis. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you never see the outcome. You never see the acharit after 40 years of alcoholism. You never see a family that's broken apart, children that are abused and taken away. You don't see that on the commercial, do you? That's what the world sells. That's what the enemy sells. They sell the image. The 30-second little trailer that says, oh, it's going to be so great. But they don't show you the acharit. I want to tell you that we as believers, we have an incredible acharit to look forward to. One that should take any plans that the devil has for us and cause them to be diminished in our eyes. So tonight, I'm going to give you two strategies for avoiding sin and for remaining pure and holy before the Lord. The first strategy is what I've been talking about all the way through this sermon, is think about the aharit. What's the rest of the story? If I do this, If I say this, how does it play out? If you think long enough about that, 
It'll make you much wiser, won't it? How is this going to affect my children and my grandchildren? How is this going to affect other people in the church? So many people just enter into a decision without having a single thought, like Esau. And it plays out. The second strategy I want to remind you of tonight is to replace those thoughts of temptation with, what if I obey? How does that play out? What is the aharit of the faithful believer in Jesus Christ? Because I want to tell you, beloved, it's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. Sports fans in the house, remember that Super Bowl, was it two years ago? Not the, not the last, the one before. That when the Patriots were down the whole game, that was two years ago, right? That was an incredible game. Man, were they down, and everybody turned the game off at halftime. Oh, and then they woke up the next morning. What did Tom Brady do? (laughs) What happened? They turned it around. I want to tell you, it's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. You can go to church for 20 years of your life and blow it all to pieces if you're not careful. You can serve God. You can grow your family. You can raise your children. You can make so much and blow it in fourth quarter. That's why Paul, his victorious declaration in 2 Timothy is so wonderful. 2 Timothy 4, verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And as he says that, he is looking forward to the end of his story. He's looking forward that I am going on to glory. I'm going on to victory in Christ. If you're going to live for Jesus for the long term, if you're going to remain pure and holy before Him, it will be because your eyes are set on that prize. The end of this story is redemption. The end of this story is glorification. The aharit is something wonderful to look forward to if you remain, if you'll be faithful. Proverbs 23, verse 18. Listen carefully. Do not let your heart envy sinners but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future hope, an acharit, for you. And your hope will not be cut off. Psalm 37, 37, consider the blameless. Observe the upright. There is a future, an acharit, for the man of peace. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, declared the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. To give you a hope and a future. I have plans that the end of this story is going to be better than you could ever imagine. Now tonight, I'm not here to bring greater condemnation than the Holy Spirit has already done. I believe tonight that if you are finding yourself in sin and in rebellion against God, that He is faithful to cause you to feel that. 
my pastor always said is if you do right, you feel right. And if you do wrong, you will feel wrong. And my prayer is that if, if you are living in disobedience to God, that He would awaken that sense of guilt so that you can repent. But I do want to remind you that there is healing in the blood of Jesus. Acts 20, verse 40. Acts 2, verse 40 says, Be saved from this perverse generation. James 4, 8, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So tonight, let this be the night that you remember the aharit, the end of the story. And let that fear of God, that's what we're talking about really tonight. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. To realize that my sin leads to destruction, but Lord, my obedience leads to life. What does it mean to fear the Lord? It doesn't mean to cower and tremble in the corner like a dog that's going to receive a beating or something like that. That's not the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, when it says that it is the beginning of wisdom, it means the honest and healthy respect. And when I go out of the lines, God is faithful and just to punish and chasten me. And I don't want to feel that. I fear God's retribution against my life. I don't want to go off the highway because there's a cliff on the other side that I can run off. How about you tonight? Do you, do you experience the fear of the Lord? Because I want to tell you, the fear of the Lord will keep you, will keep your heart right. That when temptation and sin and when the, the bowl of stew is set before you, what will keep you? It's the fear of the Lord and the promise of a future and a hope in Him. My prayer tonight is that you would remember the end of the story. That you would keep your mind filled with the aharit. We can see what it looks like, but we must think down the road. Let's bow our heads tonight and close our eyes. A simple, simple message. The Lord desires a pure and a holy bride, spotless and blameless. I realize tonight that that is a difficult standard for us. When the Lord says, be holy, for I am holy. Because if we are honest for even a moment of time, you... We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. 
Until next time, love God and love people. Oh,